The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show, another interview Wednesday edition. One of our favorites on today, buddy, Mr. David Bastel from Sports Interaction. An awesome discussion. We talk Leafs. We talk Jets. We talk Oilers. We talk Canucks. We even talk a little NFL Divisional Weekend. I love when Dave comes on because we just we hit on more than what we usually hit on because of how much this guy just loves sports. I know. So it's just easy to ask him so many questions about every Canadian team, different sports, and, he, and he's a beauty. Also admitted that he was he was an Angels fan. Didn't didn't see that coming. No, no, did not. <laughs> Before we get into it, though, I think we should talk a little bit about the five four overtime win over the Florida Panthers. Your main takeaway from this win: Matt Murray gets the hook first time all year. That's happened. Your main takeaway from this? Uh, win. I'm I'm proud of them for that victory because they showed some balls. They 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 showed a little bit of nastiness. They had. Guys dropping gloves. They had guys stepping in for each other. We know this isn't a tough hockey team. No one's really intimidated by them. But when I see Mike Bunning throwing his gloves off to defend someone, when I see Zach Aston Reese trying to fight the biggest goof in the league, Rad- Radko Gudis, I- I'm proud of them for that. They stuck in there. They hung with it. Um, Murray didn't have a great game, but Sansonoff came in and was was fantastic. And, just, and then Willie at the end just... That was a big win for them. You're starting to look at the standings. It's hard to... You can't really stack up too many regulation losses at this point because the Lightning are having just as good as the season as the Leafs are. So I'm proud of them for squeaking that one out. I came on on the weekend, this past weekend, and anointed Matt Murray as the guy going forward. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I am going to do a bit of a tweak to that and say... This is a huge opportunity. For, this is a door opening for Elias Samsonov. I could see him starting again on Thursday against the Winnipeg Jets. And if he can put together a few wins here, I could see, like, take the ball and run with it, man. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, big W. They needed that really badly. So, let's stop wasting time and get to our discussion with Mr. David Bastel. Making his triumphant return to the Talking Buds Leaf show He's one of our favorites, the one, the only, Mr. Dave Bastel. Dave, welcome back to the show, my friend. You know what? My favorite podcast in the whole wide world, I'll tell you that much. How's it going, guys? How are things? It's going really, really good, man. If if you recall, you and I did a season preview show together, and I jokingly said to you that hiring Rick Bonus to be your head coach was like deciding to watch your favorite movie on VHS, and... <laughs> It would appear the joke is on me because the Winnipeg Jets are tied for first in the Central Division with the Dallas Stars. You are our noted Winnipeg Jets expert. Talk to me. What is it that you've seen with this team thus far that has them playing at such a like 59 points? That's that's at or near the top of the standings in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? The key the key has been. Rick bonus. Um, what happened last year when Paul Maurice leaves the team and Dave Lowry comes in and this complete chaos that's kind of happened in the dressing room, Blake Wheeler gets stripped of the captaincy before training camp there. This, this locker room itself from afar, 
was a was a big mess. So you have this veteran guy that's been in the NHL since the early '80s, uh, even played in the '70s. By the way, when he was a player, um, comes in and solidifies everything. He structures the defense because you look at the talent on defense, and outside of Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk, which Neil's kind of an average defenseman, but Josh Morrissey is an all-star. I think he's a Norris Trophy candidate as well. Outside of that defenseman, this is a very no-name-ish type of defense. Uh, They have an all-world goaltender, which they always have, who is having a bounce-back season, but the structure, defensively speaking, on this team has completely turned around, and I think that's kind of been the key to what, you know, a, a lot of things that have kind of gone right for the Jets this season. One of the things that we have talked about incessantly with respect to the Leafs is what should they add at the trade deadline? Like forward defense, what have you. From a Jets perspective, you're going into the trade deadline. When you look at this team, what would you like to see them add to their roster? Well, uh, I do watch them quite a bit because we do have a a Jets slash Leafs household, as you know. Um, so I, I see everything good and bad and it's been plenty of good this season, but the thing that always comes back and we always, and we've, you know, the three of us have kind of harped on it too, is def, you know, defense into the postseason. Um, I, I think it would be a, a massive addition to add something on the back end uh, and you're not going to get a number one. You may not even get a number two, but if you could bring in a solid three or a two, three or any any combination of a guy that's going to go in there, play 20 to 23 minutes every single night. You don't have to score a lot of points because this team is blessed up front with this offense and how good this you know team plays when it's on. But you need somebody back there with some accountability on the defensive side of things and somebody that's going to clear the front of the net, somebody that's going to hit somebody. Um, that's, that would be my wish list. Number one, if I'm in Kyle Dubas's office right now, I'm guessing that he's probably taken some calls on this and and I know he's up against some cap restrictions and so forth, as you guys have talked about on this podcast many, many times, but that would be wish list number one for me. If I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, what about you guys? I mean, I, I, like when I, when I saw them play the Bruins that one game in a perfect world, I would like them to add a forward and a defenseman, but it's just, that's just not going to be possible. But I, originally I was kind of in your camp. I, I wish for a defenseman right off the bat because I do think just pushing some players down the depth chart on, on the D side of things would be big for this team. But I don't know. I feel like they, they also could really use that top six winger that to go on the second line as well. Yeah, we... Our big takeaway from the Boston game, Dave, was they, as much as, as we love the first line and I love the the combination of, of Matthews and Nylander together, I thought they had a really hard time. I know Ryan feels the same. I thought they had a really hard time sort of managing the the Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak yep. line. I thought they got outclassed, quite frankly. So it sort of adds to the forward depth situation for me. I think they need another one, another... I don't want to say game breaker because you're you're not just going to go get an elite scorer, but someone Correct. who can score a big goal for them when they need it. And also just like, I, I don't really see, like we have our wish list of players that we want, but just, I don't, is it even possible when you look at what they, what they can deal, what kind of pieces they can give out? I just don't know what's possible for this team in terms of picking up a player at the deadline as well. It's a handcuff situation, isn't it? 
it, you know, you, you're up against some money. Um, and, and then, and then if you're going to bring somebody of substance in, it's going to cost you something. <laughs> and, and a lot of times a first round draft pick doesn't get you exactly what you want. So does it mean you're packaging a, a high pick plus a player to get something in return? I, it's, you're in a tough spot if, uh, you know, but you know what the, the thing is, the Leafs are in the same spot as probably the top 10 teams in the league right now, because, what we have talked about as a group between solid number three defenseman or a top six forward, well, well, welcome to the top 10 of the NHL, right? I mean, if you're not in that position, then then you're kind of not in the top 10 and you're not going to be in contention for any kind of playoff run like like the teams that we're talking about here. I saw a report going around Twitter yesterday about picking up Ryan O'Reilly and what the Blues asking price for him is. And I I, I got to tell you, Dave, like, I, I don't know if, like, I understand the Leafs are in win now mode, but I don't yeah. I don't know if I love the idea of packaging a first round draft choice and, and Matthew Nyes, a prospect that this organization is very excited about yeah. for a potential rental whose best days are behind him, who's dealing with an injury and who, who, for all intents and purposes might not be here when the puck drops next season. It just, I don't know. Like it's to me, the risk it's such high risk. Yeah. It's, it's massive. And when you, when you said that package, I kind of, you know, I, I gave it the old, Oh wow. That's a, that's a deep lump in my throat. And I'm not even a mate, a supporter of this Toronto Maple Leafs team that like, it's a heavy price. And you kind of look back at the O'Reilly situation and I don't have to tell you what Buffalo has right now in their organization from that Riley trade, but you know what? St. Louis also has a Stanley Cup, and that probably trumps what the Buffalo Sabres have in Tage Thompson. Uh, but you're sitting there going, if you could talk about a win-win trade, your organization in St. Louis, who has never won a Stanley Cup, wins the first ever Stanley Cup in franchise history. And the Buffalo Sabres have arguably one of the best young forwards in the NHL in the world for the next 10 years. It's uh, you know, you look at the situation, you go, okay, that is a Stanley cup, but I, I got this guy here for the next decade. Cause that's what the Leafs might be doing. If they decide to package up those type of players to send to uh, if they're sending them to St. Louis, or if they're sending them to another team to get that, that type of player back, I, I, I would be very hesitant to do that sort of move. So would you put the the Jets in that same sort of category of of a team that's looking for those same pieces, like like another impact defensive piece or another like top six forward? I wouldn't say top six forward. I would actually say, and and you know what, and I, and I'm I'm proud to say it. I'm not. It's it's all good. The Jets are going to play this on the cheap because they usually do. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to tinker with this lineup. They're going to do something on the bottom six. Um, it won't cost them as much, which is great. But I think the time is now for them to start doing something to strengthen that. I, I love the top six. The top six looks fantastic. I think I'd match up the Jets' top six with almost any team in the NHL. That's how good this top six is. Bottom six is another story. Uh, the, you know, that's why we're hearing stories about Jonathan Taves going to the Winnipeg Jets. Well, guess what? If Jonathan Taves is on this Jets team, he's a third-line center because he's not going to play before Shifley. He's not going to be playing before Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're, we're looking at two guys here that are 50-plus point players right now, and Shifley has 26 goals. So, you know, it's that kind of situation. But what's it going to take to 
bring this guy in because it's a heavy contract. Chicago's going to ask for something. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to tinker bottom six. I think they're going to tinker with their defense because I think they're they're kind of in the same spot as the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, and 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 now might be the time to strike. But how how hard and how fast are you going to strike? I think this is a really big year for the Jets because if you look at that Western Conference, you look at the standings. I think it's just wide open. Like last year, it seemed like Colorado just had at the year. To, to win the Stanley Cup, everything was going right for them. But if you look at the standings in the Western Conference, like, I think it's just wide open for the Jets to do something. I think you're bang on. I think that's exactly it because you look at the Pacific Division and you're not quite sure who's coming out of there. It looks like a little bit of a dogfight with the top three or four teams. And maybe you can add on those Alberta teams that might do something uh, here on the stretch drive and so forth. But in that Central Division, it's like, okay, well, are you, are you, are you terrified of... of you know the Colorado Avalanche. Once they get players back, well, maybe you're maybe you're scared a little bit. You're not so scared about what they have in net anymore. Um, are you are you scared about you know the Minnesota Wild, the Dallas Stars? I I, I think you're right, uh, Ryan. You're you're bang on about how there's probably a lot of teams in that division that are sitting there going, no, 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 no. It's it's us. It's our time to do it as well. Yeah, it's it is a Ryan's got it up in front of us right here, and we're looking at it. It's a, it's a coin flip of a division for sure. I could see the Avalanche. I wouldn't necessarily uh, put the Avalanche away just yet. I could see them no. making a push down the stretch here. But yeah, this is this is a wide open division. Last uh, Rick bonus question for you. As you can tell, I'm obsessed with Rick bonus. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? And one thing, and one thing, Robbie. Uh, I love that you're actually calling his name properly because I've been on a couple different podcasts, especially at the beginning of the year, where they weren't familiar with him because you know he was mostly an assistant coach with most teams, and then he was the head coach of the Dallas and I, I Dallas Stars uh, before he was let go and so forth. But I, I, I keep hearing people saying Bonez. And it's like, no, it's Rick Bonus. Yeah, and it's always been Rick Bonus. And the guy has been around since the 70s. Yeah, he <laughs> so. literally has been around forever. That's why I love him so much. When we when we talked at the beginning of the year, you kind of sort of insinuated that, you know what, Rick Bonus is a good sort of placeholder and setting the table yeah. for a potential Barry Trotz. I said it too. Yep. Yeah, in Winnipeg. Are you... Are, are do you still feel that way, or have you seen enough now where you're like, no, no, Rick Bonus can take this. I'm not. I'm not really like. I'm not going to worry about Barry Trotz anymore. <sighs> Great question. Um, and I've actually thought about it because you know I, I'm such a Jets nerd. Um, <laughs> I I I look at this and I go, okay, he's 67, 68 years old. How much gas is left in that tank? There appears to be a lot of gas left. There, you know, it appears to be you know, ready to commit, but you're knocking on 70. And then the other part of me is Barry Trotz has been so, so quiet. He's living in Nashville right now. And all we hear, or at least from the Jets perspective is all we hear is, is this the last year of David Poyle as the general manager? Because if you're the Nashville Predators, doesn't it make sense to hand the keys to Barry Trotz and say, there you go. You've been in the organization uh, before for the last, uh, you know, 20 years, it seems, uh, before he was let go and so forth. He he still finds Nashville and, and loves it as a home. Um, maybe he doesn't want the rigors of a, of a head coaching, um, I guess, I guess hourly type of thing where you're when you're at the rink at six in the morning and sometimes you're leaving at, you know, 11 at night and so forth. Um, I'd be OK with Rick Bonus moving forward, but. 
I'm still not shutting the door on Barry Trotz just yet. I get the same sort of vibe with Barry Trotz that I get from like a Sean Payton in the NFL. Like there's this, yeah. there's this ex super hyped coach that's just sort of sitting in the, on the sideline and everyone's kind of looking going, where's he going next? What he's job is everybody. he going to take? Yeah. yeah. He's linked to everybody. Yeah. It's the same thing that's going on with Sean Payton. The next question I want to ask you, we've had a lot of guests on in the last month or so, and I've asked each and every one of them this. And in my opinion, it's, it's the hottest discussion point going on with the Leafs and their fan base right now. Okay. Kyle Dubas. There is the contingent of the fan base that is like, re-sign this guy. Now you're taking a huge risk by not, giving him a contract extension. We've seen enough. This is a good team year in, year out, playoffs notwithstanding. Or the other group that's like, nope, we need to see playoff success. I personally have have done a 180 on this. If you'd asked me back in October, I would have said, nope, I agree with the decision. Um, he, We need to see some sort of playoff results here. But as the season has gone on and as they've played well yet again, and like Ryan and I are on here every week, we talk about it, we watch every game. I've stopped sort of taking that for granted. And I appreciate that this is a team that is at or near the top of their division every year. Yes, we want the playoff results, but this is a team that Kyle Dubas built and they have regular season success every year. And I would not be opposed to extending him now. Where do you stand on that? Oh, this is a tough one. Cause yeah, you can, you can make a strong argument on both sides. Um, and you know what? I've never really thought of this much longer than what we've been kind of discussing it, but my, my stance has always been in the past, you know, show me what you've done in the postseason, And, and we've, we've read the book on Kyle Dubas and it's exactly what you said. He's had some brilliant regular seasons. Uh, they've played very good between the months of October and April, uh, the 10th, 15th, yeah. whenever that last eight, that 82nd game is. But after that, that's that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna make or break me. Um, and I think I need to see I need to see a step forward, a finally a step forward. If I'm gonna renew this guy, and I wouldn't be opposed to letting him go if he doesn't. And and, it, and I know it seems kind of harsh, but uh, from from a least perspective. It's like, how many more times are we going to go through this Washington capital syndrome where you're so good in the regular season, but Washington actually broke through and we haven't, they have that They have this core They're They're, they're missing. They're missing something. Is he going to do something at the deadline to change that? Cause he, he, it almost seems like he's building the same car every single year and the car's fantastic. I love the car. It's a nice color. It drives fast. It, it's, it's great on mileage. It's everything, mm-hmm. but the car better start working in May. And yeah. you know what? If I'm driving the car, I want to see June as well. And and I, I know it's harsh, but I don't think Kyle Dubas is going anywhere if you have to wait to make that decision. I think this is the dream job. That's that's I, my I think thing it's a too. Wait and see. I'll I'll let you chime in here in a sec, right? That, that's my thing too. The the people who go, Oh, well, you know, he could he could flip the bird and say, I'm out of here. And it's like, he's not doing that. No. He's not leaving this job. No way. Uh, another question I've been asking everyone in regards to that is, is one round enough? Like, what is enough to keep this guy around? You, you know what? Uh, I think one round is enough. I agree. I, uh, I think it is. Um, now, now, if I'm if I'm a Leaf fan like you guys are, I'm, I'm expecting more. But I got to see steps, guys. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we've been teaching this team how to walk properly. And now, you know what? I want to see some running. 
And I want to see a breakthrough. And if it, if you fight to the second round and maybe lose out in six, seven games, I think, okay, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Nobody wants to be the, uh, the team that's packing up the bags after, you know, 10 playoff games or 12 playoff games. That's, that's understandable. And you should, you should be thinking that way. But uh, if I see the improvement, I'm okay with signing them on. I I'm not sitting there going, nah, you know what <laughs> has to be right to the conference final has to be a Stanley cup or adios. It's like, that's not how the way things work. I want to see steps forward and I want to see a second round. And then after that, guess what? The year after that, I want to see a conference final. The window is there. The window is there. Don't let the window shut because if certain players decide to go elsewhere or if there's not enough money in the kitty, so to speak, to sign all these guys, because that that's always a problem with some of these high profile teams, um, you know, because you do have contracts coming up in the next couple of years. And I don't think you, I need to tell you which ones. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. They're going to be making more than what they're making right now. And they're making a lot of money right now. You know, it's, I don't know. I this I would say that a first round victory is a is a pretty big deal and I think this city would erupt if that happened. 100%. I've got a couple more for you Dave before before we let you go. This one yeah, I'm going to go off off the beaten path here and I'm going to pose it to both of you. Connor McDavid. This has been a um a tumultuous season thus far for the Edmonton Oilers. But it's been a lights out incredible season. For Connor yep. McDavid, a lot of debate I'm hearing across uh, like podcasts I listen to or online or whatever about do you would you vote for Connor McDavid to win the Hart Trophy if the Edmonton Oilers do not make the playoffs? What is your both of your stance on that as a roundtable sort of discussion here? Uh, Ryan, you take this one first. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I can see the point of not voting him because of the playoff situation. But I mean, just, just this guy's ridiculous, man. Like I, I would give it to him because the pace he's on right now, like it's just, like, he's the best hockey player I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like he is absolutely ridiculous. I think he supersedes all this, all like the, the talk around playoffs. Like they always try to find excuses to give people hard trophies and awards. It's like the Jack Adams where they got to give it to the new hot coach who gets a, a non-playoff team to the playoffs. But I mean, if he keeps going on the pace he is with points, I would still give it to him. Yeah, uh, and I'm in that same camp as well. Uh, it's just because of how, in, in, as you guys were talking about, how ridiculous of a season it is. Mm. Um, we see this a lot in Major League Baseball, too, where where we have guys like Mike Trout winning the MVP and the Angels have stunk. Trust me, I'm a, I'm a longtime Angel. I used to work for the organization. It's been, it's been horrendous since they won a World Series in the early 2000s, and then it's been nothing. Um, if, if you're the best player through 82 games, that's what the criteria is. And it would be criminal if they sat back and said, you know what, Eric Carlson's had such a nice year in San Jose. Look at the points total. We'll give him the Norse and the MVP. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, or, or, or somebody else in that ilk going, okay, well, so-and-so, Nikita Kucherov's been a top five goal scorer and he's back. It's like, no, no, no. There's, there's no comparison to anybody on the face of the earth that Connor McDavid isn't the greatest hockey player of 2022-23. Um, and the Oilers could fizzle out 
uh, for the next 40 games. And I would still give it to him as long as he maintained what he's doing. Uh, and all we're seeing is highlights every single night. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's incredible. Dave, I wanted to ask you about the Vancouver Canucks and oh. the absolute Oof. disaster that is going on there. That just, I feel terrible for Canucks fans. I just want a, a quick thought on that. Yeah, it's it, terrible. Yeah, but don't you kind of laugh too, in a sense? No, I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I'm joking. I, I got a lot of friends in Vancouver, as you guys do too. Um, it, it's um, it's a situation where they decided to believe in the core, and and the core has not delivered at all. Um, also, when you look at this defense, like, can you name a defenseman that you might be remotely interested in bringing to your organization? And it's like, it's, it's horrendous. This might be the worst six in the last number of years. Um, when Luke Shen is playing on your six um, on a somewhat regular basis, you're, you're having some major problems. They have, they have the right goaltender. Uh, he's been in and out of the lineup, but he's also playing in front of that six. Um, I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I I'm a Bruce Boudreaux guy and I'm yep. I'm kind of sad that things have happened like this for him and so forth, because um, he really is a really he's a really good guy and and he really doesn't deserve what's happening there. But there's a lot missing there, and I get the feeling that things are going to get even worse for the Vancouver Canucks before they get better because I think it's a teardown and I think that oh, guys yeah. like JT Miller should be on the trade deadline. Um, they should look at, you know, uh, you know, do you trade Elias Peterson? I, I think yeah. you probably you welcome offers if it's the right thing to do uh, and you're getting back the proper package. But man, this it's it's been horrendous and they've made a lot of mistakes, especially via free agency. I know a couple of Winnipeg Jet defensemen that are playing there right now that the Jets are kind of smiling at because they they weren't even interested in resigning. Uh, these players, but Vancouver not only signed them, but gave them even more money than market price, um, which is uh, which is not a thing you want to do. Horvat's another guy that's been linked to the Leafs, and I see Leafs fans being like, "We should go after him." But I I say the same thing I said about Ryan O'Reilly earlier that like the asking price is just yes. out of control for like for a bow bo. as much as I think he would fit in the role that Ryan and I are mm-hmm. saying that we'd like the Leafs to fill. I I don't know, man. I it's so funny. All I've seen from Matthew Nyes is like college hockey highlights. Yep. Like they still got a full face cage on for God's sakes. But like I, <laughs> I uh, just, you look at the the numbers and the size and the whatever. And it's like, if we just hold on to this guy, he's yeah. a guy that you could plug in for cheap a year or two from now. And I'm just not at a point where I'm ready to part with him to try and win two playoff rounds. I'll go, I'll go a step forward with, with Matthew Nyes. I think that once college is finished, this guy could jump into your lineup. Yeah. I, and, and I think, and I think he can play top six. I know it, I know it's asking a lot in your city, but, but you're surrounded by that much talent Mm -hmm. and you have that much talent come out of college. Like it's not, it's not, we're no longer in the world guys. And you know this because we've seen it time and time again, we're no longer in the world where, where top hotshot prospect, uh, is, is has to be nurtured into the league and and has to be you know red winged like they used to dump players into the minors for four or five years. It's like no no no, get in the kitchen and start and start heating things up because that's how good this guy can be. I I I truly think that 
he could be a shot in the arm that you guys are looking for come, I, I guess, is it late March usually that these yeah. players come in from the right, NCAA? Essentially yeah. right before the playoffs start. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's a college kid who comes in. He doesn't really know any better. He just, you just throw him out there and hit the ground Completely. running. It was kind of what we saw from Nick Robertson in the bubble against Columbus, where he, he's never been more impactful at the NHL level than he was during that Columbus series in the yeah. bubble. So you hope for a same, uh, same sort of thing there. Last thing before we let you go, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here. And we're going to go, off, we're going to go off hockey. This weekend coming up is my personal favorite NFL weekend of the year. As I always describe to people, the riffraff is gone. Like this is, these are the best teams. And I just love the way the weekend shakes out with the two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I know that you are up on all this stuff with the, the sports interaction behind you. I've got the sports interaction lines right here in front of me. Fire. Which one do you, are you familiar with these or which one, which one do you like the best? Um, I sometimes help create them. Okay. So, <laughs> so perfect. So, um, you know what? There's there's a couple things that I was looking at. And I know this might kick, you know, kick me in the pants if somebody's watching this on the Monday, but I really like Jacksonville plus the points. I yeah. <laughs> like I Kansas City has played so poorly this season against the number. I think they're five, eleven, and one in 16, 17 games, whatever that works out to. Um, because they they have a hard time blowing teams out. And Jacksonville's won five straight. They're coming off maybe the franchise's biggest victory in 10 years last weekend, which was just tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the line's around eight and a half uh, while we talk, uh, I, I believe. Yep. It, it's, it's over the touchdown threshold, which I'm a big fan of. So I'm actually circling the Jaguars to cover this number. I think Kansas City wins this game. I just think Kansas City is is going to squeak past it. Maybe a maybe a field goal, maybe a touchdown, so forth. And then the other game and I and I'm pretty sure nobody's going to like this. But I've been I've been heavy on the Cincinnati Bengals since about November when they started to get everybody back, started to click as an offense. And I think the Bengals are destined to represent the conference in the Super Bowl. I have them plus the five points in Buffalo. I also have them on a money line ticket to win in Buffalo, which is going to be really tough. But mm. if you're if you're having a hard time with Skylar Thompson, Buffalo, you're going to have a hell of a time with Joe Burrow oh, yeah. and the Cincinnati Bengals and their 25 receivers and the stud behind them in the backfield and Joe Mixon. So I actually, even though it's banged up uh, on the offensive line for the Bengals, I got the Bengals plus the points and on the money line. I got the Jaguars as well, uh, plus the points. I, I don't think they're going to win, but they'll make things interesting. Um, are, are you guys hating me yet? Uh, and no, no, I know we got no, some Packers you, fans over there, but before no. we, before, oh no, r- r- before we, I don't, I don't want to talk about that, that embarrassment of an organization, Dave, we'll move on from that. Um, before we jumped on, Ryan said, he goes, I'll, I'll take the Bengals plus, yeah. plus five. Where do you see that number going? Because I originally saw it at plus four and a half and I, I was going to jump on that, but now it's plus five. Do you see it moving at all? Uh, that's a great question. Now, here's here's the unique thing about sports interaction. We have such a heavy Ontario clientele. And as you guys know, there's a massive Buffalo Bill fan base in Ontario. So a lot of times you'll sit, you know, Johnny and Jane, whoever wants to bet, and we welcome everybody, of course, and you're throwing money on the Buffalo Bills. If that continues to happen like we anticipate, because your your heavy money is going to come in on this Friday, Saturday, and especially the Sunday, because they play three o'clock Eastern on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. 
if that continues to happen, we're going to see that number shrink. So if you're interested in the Bengals right now, I would say bet the Bengals now because you're going to get four and a half or five. I got five the other day um, and, and, and I was pretty happy with it. But if the Bills money continues to go down or come come in, the Brooks have to protect themselves. So you'll see the number drifting a little bit lower because they want some buyback on the Bengal side of things just because it's such a, a heavy enforced Bills economy that we live in. Um, but uh, that's that's just my professional guess. Uh, I could be totally wrong on this, but it, it's sports interaction because if it's a it's Canadian heritage and so forth it it's a different style of book than what you'll see with some of the American numbers that are out there yeah I'm hammering that that bangle spread 100% I also don't mind the Giants plus seven and a half because what we saw it last weekend with with the Bills and the Dolphins and then the Bengals and the Ravens yep divisional opponents are hard and I don't care, like like I said, I don't care if you have Skylar Thompson as your quarterback. Yep. If it's a it's, if it's a divisional opponent, it's hard. And the Giants are riding high right now. The Eagles, how healthy is Jalen Hurts? They sort of like sputtered at the end there with the Hurts injury. I'm not saying the Giants are going to win, but I do I do yep. not think the Eagles are just going to walk through the New York Giants. Not at all. Yeah, well, a couple things on that. I had to I had to get my notes out here for my uh, for my NFL stuff because I uh, I was talking about this earlier. I just wanted to confirm a couple things, a couple things that that I will check mark for your argument because I'm on board with that. Yeah, Giants are five and one against the number in their last six appearances in Philadelphia, so they cover numbers. These two teams are division rivals. They know a lot about each other. They see each other. They get sick of each other. They hate each other. It's always been like that forever and ever. You guys know about division rivals. Uh, Number three, and maybe the most important, the Giants have been one of the best teams against the number all season long. 14-4 and on the season against the number. So what that's telling me is, the, the the betting lines will throw out numbers against the Giants and the Giants will be competitive in everything. I think they're competitive this weekend as well. I'm not convinced that Jalen Hurts is 100%. Not only has he uh, recovered from a late season injury, but he's also coming off a bye week. There's some rust there. Yep. This Eagles team doesn't look like the Eagles team that played in November or October or September and how they are smashing teams and Jalen Hurts MVP and so forth. I think there's a little bit of kink in the armor there. Um, the Eagles probably win this game, but the Giants make this ridiculously hard for them. I think they cover this number. 100, 100% with you. That's one that I'll, I'll be all over. Dave, thank you so much for coming on again, buddy. We love having you on. Great. And this is definitely not going to be the last time. As we get closer to playoff time, we're going to have you on again. Uh, I look forward to it, guys. Love talking hockey. Love talking football. Love talking to you guys. Take care. Awesome, Thanks, buddy. buddy. See ya. Once again, thank you so much to Dave Bastel for coming on and talking to us. I love, you know what? Like, I know we're a Leaf podcast, and I know there's some of you that are going to listen to that at the end and go like, oh, my God, they're talking NFL. It's like when I post the football episodes on our channel, people are like, football? But it's like, whatever, man. It's, it's I love, I could sit and talk to that stuff all day. Well, I think, I think most of North America... Most of every North American sports fan is going to be watching football this weekend. So I think we might be appealing to more people than we think. But if you don't like it, just skip it. Thank you so much, everybody, for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We will see you this weekend.
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.